Acts chapter 11, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at just one verse of Scripture from there this evening. I, my wife and I have had the privilege of pastoring in other nations and in other cultures. And the word culture is a very profound word. It literally means it's an umbrella term which encompasses social behavior, institutions, norms found in human society as well as knowledge, beliefs, arts, laws, customs, capabilities, and habits of individuals in these groups. Cultures, cultures are often uh, originate from an attribute specific to a region or a location. We had the privilege of being in Lithuania and in Ireland. You couldn't contrast two cultures more. Lithuania, they didn't really talk. They're not a very friendly culture. They actually believe that Americans are fake because they smile all the time. They say, no, that can't be true. And then we went to, uh, you know, so very rude culture, very, uh, you know, uh, my uh, son, I remember we were ju- he was probably eight years old and he's in the market. And we're just walking through the market and um, he's busy looking and it's all overwhelming to him. He's never seen anything. If you can take like the public market and step it back, not quite into the third world, but just maybe one step above the third world, this is what we were talking about. And this, he's looking, and this old woman, a Russian babushka, as they would call them, wants to get in the way, takes my son and shoves him out of the way. That's their culture. Then we go to Ireland, the exact opposite one of the most friendly, courteous cultures. We, my, uh, my daughter and my daughter's in-laws, my son-in-law's parents came to visit us in Ireland, and this freaked out both my daughter and my son-in-law. Like that, we the four of us were together without them, and uh, we love John. He's since passed away. Ria, uh, good people in the in the Zwolle Church have been there for a long time. Just really nice people. Really love them. They came. We were trying. We were. We went over to a little place called Cove, which is in Ireland, uh, near Cork. That uh, was the last stop of the Titanic, for instance. And it had a Titanic museum. It had uh, um, uh, a, a museum for the. The potato famine because many people had left there and so we're driving around there and we're a bit confused and and we're sitting at a stop sign there's probably four or five cars behind us and somebody beeps at us and we're like yeah but we're lost and we pull up they said do you need some help what are you looking for a place to park if you go over to the church there you can park there for free and then you just walk down the hill and then you can get to all the me like instantly just friendly not mad not upset very, very much a different contrast of cultures. In the United States, the term culture war is being used. I actually looked this up on 
uh, on uh, I uh, the podcast app just to see how many different uh, um, podcasts are based on the culture wars of today. We see this in politics, how it has shifted and wobbled back and forth between presidents and such, that we've gone from, uh, you know, conservative to liberal, back to conservative, back to liberal, back to conservative, back to liberal. And this is a culture war in our society. We're seeing this with a number of things that we're going to look at in just a moment. But in every culture, too, there's subcultures. There's all sorts of things, small cultures trying to gain traction and become more the prominent. Uh, you know, when I was uh, growing up, there were certain things that were a little bit taboo, like living together, like homosexuality was taboo, marijuana was illegal. Smoking cigarettes was okay. And how culture has changed now. That you can buy marijuana legal. Now smoking cigarettes is bad. You know, they'll tell you how bad nicotine is for you. They just don't tell you how bad the marijuana is. The moral vibes and the moral rejection of, a, of norms has been lost in our culture that began as subcultures. The text we're going to read, it's the first time that people are called Christians. They're called Christians because this was a subculture that was beginning to get traction and becoming a definable group that existed that has always been at war with the current culture. Acts 11, verse 26. And when he, this is speaking of Barnabas, found Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, and he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. I want to talk to you firstly about the dynamic and uh, some of the issues of culture. Because there's various different cultures in the world. When I moved to Lithuania, just simple things like banking were done very different. There were just the way they would conduct themselves. There were a few things like when we had to pay our electric bill or our, our any other utilities, we had to go to the post office and stand in line. And they considered that normal. That was their culture. They didn't have bills and checks to write. By the time we left, I think they were a bit ahead of America in the sense that their culture had evolved and you could pay everything on the internet now. And that's just coming around here for certain bills. It wasn't a service-oriented culture. We walked into one store, I'll, I'll never forget that the woman just glared, not just even stared, glared at us. 
Just like you're going to make us work. One of the first words my wife learned was the word nagalama. Nagalama simply means can't be done. And she's in there. She actually went in with the former pastor's wife. They're just trying to buy some toilet paper. And it's right there. But because they had changed the cash register system in this particular store, the woman's like, "Can't we can't do it. We can't do it. So she's like, I'll give you the cash. You can talk to your boss later and put it in. No, can't be done. Nagalama. Very different culture. You come, I remember the, my wife was telling me we'd been in Lithuania for a few years and we had gone to Holland and she went into a clothing store and she's like, this young man is like, ma'am, can I help you? And she's like, at first she's like, this young kid, I'm probably old enough to be his mother and he won't leave me alone. Oh no, he's actually just trying to be helpful. He's trying to serve the way it should be. Currently in Israel, Pakistan, the United Arab Emirates, Jordan, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Monaco, and Turkey, a man and a woman cannot check into a hotel unless they can prove they're married. That's their culture. Israel, if you cannot prove it, they will give you separate rooms. That's the culture of these nations. Now, cultures can be broken down even in countries to demographics. You know, the Northwest culture of the United States is very different than the Southern culture. The Northeast is very different than the Southwest This can show up in not only attitudes, in a bit of accents, a a bit, you know, I I learned very quickly when I was out in Arizona, Southwest people don't get sarcasm. North, Northeast people get it. But South, Southwest people, they're, they're very serious. You can see it in their driving. How they drive, it's very different cultures. Of how, you know, again, polite. Uh, Ireland, when we moved there, they were very polite in their driving. Lithuania had the highest death rate on the highways and the roads in the European Union. We came across numbers of dead people in accidents. Last three days we were there, we were almost just going to prayer or going home. My wife and I were almost in a serious car accident. Every On the last three days we were there, like serious car accidents by crazy drivers. But even in the United States, that's very different. Massachusetts is very much known where I grew up for aggressive driving. Where the Southwest and in Arizona, it wasn't that way. They're much more laid back. Just like here, sometimes when the light turns green, they'll jump it to take a left-hand turn to try to beat the oncoming traffic. They, would, they don't do that in Arizona. At least not as much. Families have cultures. How holidays are celebrated. This became really true to us as we got married. We... My wife and I, we had different holidays, different, different not holidays, but different uh, uh, um, traditions in celebrating them. And, you know, one of our traditions is we could open all our presents on Christmas Eve, and my wife says, no, we can only open one, and I think it's a ripoff. But that's another story. 
create your own. When we were missionaries, we didn't have lots of money, so we had to make Christmas fun for the kids. We started a scavenger hunt for them. And we would have them go through. It would take probably about 45 minutes for them to go through and try to figure out the clues. And we created our own culture that now my daughter is passing on to her children some people, it's about education. Some, people, some families don't prioritize education at all. Others will say, I'm the first to graduate from college. Others, uh, they would put an emphasis on that. The same would be true in the military. Not only is there a military culture, that each of the branches have a different culture. They'll all pick on the others. The Air Force calls Marines window lickers. They were the kids on the school bus licking the condensation off the window. That's the Marines. That's what the Air Force would say. The Marines would walk into the Navy and go, I smell squid. There's all sorts of cultures there. Sports teams have cultures. Certain cultures will be based on the coach or the team. Workplaces will have cultures, their own unique cultures. Apple and Google tried to change the workplace in the high-tech, free lunch Fridays and all of this kind of thing that they began to introduce. Where Walmart's culture was to get the most out of the worker for the cheapest price so they could sell at the cheapest price cost to the consumer. We've seen radical shifts in our culture. The 1950s through the late 50s through the 60s, we saw through probably the early 70s, radical changes. It was Madeline Murray O'Hare that began to work to get prayer taken out of school. And as soon as she did that with the Bible, that they finally got the Supreme Court, the United States, to agree with her that it was unconstitutional, test scores began to drop. To the point today, I heard on the radio yesterday, that Chicago schools are no longer going to rate themselves academically, they're going to rate themselves on a feel-good atmosphere. Johnny and Susie can't read or write, do math, but they feel good about themselves. So that means the schools are doing well. Can link it right back to when the Supreme Court took out and a shift happened. By the way, the only common factor of all the Supreme Court justices was not Democrat or Republican, was not... Anything but they were all Masons. All 33 degree Masons. It was in the introduction of the birth control pill that now made sex without consequences. And I'm not saying 
If you have, if you're married, you, you know, you work that out on your own. You've got to do your own. But this changed the culture of free sex. That changed the whole indulgence. After that, of course, became issues like no-fault divorce. Ronald Reagan was actually the governor of California when no-fault divorce was made legal in California, which was the first state to make it legal. Little trivia for you, there's only been two presidents that have been divorced when they got in office. Up until, I'm not, was Biden? No. So two have been divorced, Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. Little trivia for you. 1969, General Governor Ronald Reagan of California made it uh, made what he later admitted one of the biggest mistakes of his political life, seeking to eliminate the strife and deception often associated with the legal regime of uh, fault-based divorces. Reagan signed the first national no-fault divorce bill, making divorce easy and helping remove the reproach. Now we're living in a day where over 50% of marriages, which has been on a steady decline because people are just living together, are getting divorced. There's a book called The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce, how it's not just between two people, it has a profound effect on children. A profound effect on children. Roe versus Wade changed our culture. Now, thank God the Supreme Court recently overturned it, but you can feel the absolute cultural issue. My wife said she saw a sign recently that said health care uh, abortion is a health care right. And she said, well, not for the baby. But it's a cultural war that's going on. From 1972 until last year when the Supreme Court overturned abortion, 65 million abortions. 1.3 million abortions a year had been done in the United States. Culture becomes the driving force. I could go on and on, but I think you get the point. This is what brings us to today in our nation. Culture and a culture war. Launching pads become small ideas. There are extreme versions today of all sorts of things that have to do with technology and AI and immorality and the media and all sorts of others that used to have a Christian ethic to them, but now have totally lost that and have begun to 
change. Now there's what? I, I, another t-shirt I love from this place that sends me t-shirts all the time. It says, God created men and women. The Democrats created the other 97 other genders. Let's talk about Christianity as a culture. Because in our, in, in our text, it tells us that they were called Christians. Now, in a little bit of that was a underhanded or a, uh, a kind of a, they were trying to underhandedly mock them. Oh, you're a Christian. Which literally translated in the Greek as a little Christ. So it was kind of this mock of it. But they took it as a badge of honor. You're calling me a Christian, a little Jesus? I I appreciate that. That there's enough of him in me that it comes shining through. In our nation, 63% or 210 million people claim to be Christians. My question is, where are they? They claim to be Christians, but where are they? Barna is a research group that looks at Christianity and says that divorce rates, adultery rates, pornography rates are exactly the same among Christians as they are the world. Within one or two points. They've rejected the relevance of Christian culture. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. On judgment day, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Quite interesting to say you're a Christian without living it. One commentator said of this particular verse, it's that they went to a place or associated with people that cast out demons, that prophesied, that had been involved, but they themselves were not living it. And they thought because they had a membership in a church or attended a certain congregation, that would make them okay. The examination of culture, these people were identified as Christians. It's very interesting. In the Methodist movement in the late 1700s, started by the Wesley brothers and, and, um, and such, they were, they were preaching, they were very radical, preaching on the streets. I showed a video recently uh, a couple of Sunday, sc- uh, about a year ago, of a Sunday school on on them, and especially John Wesley and how he had begun preaching and would preach in graveyards or n- instead of being in the church, outside the church, and how they went through. They would actually make the pulpit protected from the windows. Now they didn't have a lot of na- uh, you know electricity, or they, so they didn't have a lot of interior light. But they actually had to do that because people would throw rocks and things at the churches when they began to preach. They were so radical. A hundred years later, 
a little Methodist preacher named William Booth began to street preach, and the Methodists condemned him. He went on to have to leave the Methodists and form today what we know as the Salvation Army that was very radical in reaching people. He set up a tent in the slums of London and the Methodists expelled him. A hundred years later, they had lost their culture. A hundred years later, They had lost what they were birthed in. Doesn't take long. Isaiah 43, verse 19, I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you see it? I will will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. When we get so... Locked in to what our, we think is right, we can miss God's spiritual revolution. What God wants to do. How did they become, become called Christians? They embraced Jesus as the Messiah. That He and He alone was their standard to be recognized. What would please him, they wanted to do. What wouldn't please him, they wanted to stay away from. All religions claim to have inclusivity. Which simply means there is a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. Some will say all religions are the same, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus goes on to say in John 10, 7 through 9, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep do not listen to them. Yes, I am at the gate, and those who come through me will be saved. And they will go freely and find good pastures. Is Jesus your Lord? Does he have the right to tell you what to do? Does he determine your culture, your money, your time, your efforts, what you read, what you look at, what you think about? Does he have that right? Because that's culture. Speaking in tongues, prophesying, signs and wonders, the Pentecostal movement we were birthed in. Acts 1, 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Ephesians three twenty says, now to the glory of God. Through his mighty power, which is the same word as in Acts chapter 1, power, the word is dudamos, that works in us to accomplish a more infinitely more than we could ask or think. God wants signs, wonders contending for the Holy Spirit. 
miracles. What about the Word of God? The foundation of what Christianity is about. Do you choose some and reject others? I don't I like the part about love one another, but I don't like the part about paying my tithe. I like the part about prayer and God answering that. I don't like the part about being a witness. I like the part about grace. I just don't like the part about righteousness. What parts do you accept or reject? Job 23, verse 12, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 in the Amplified says, All these were in one mind and one accord, having one purpose, continually devoting themselves to prayer, waiting together, along with the women and Mary his mother and Jesus and his brothers. See, there has to be a dedication in your life to prayer, to the things of God, for you to have that biblical culture. And when you're not doing what God tells you to do, you're actually undermining the culture of what God wants to do in your life. You're absolutely undermining the culture of how God wants to help you. It's self-inflicted destruction. Acts 2, 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. The doctrines we embrace determine a great deal of the culture we accept. You go to a Baptist church. They've embraced the doctrine of once saved, always saved. So therefore now they believe that you can live any way you want. You can do whatever you want. It creates a culture of people living together and thinking they're right with God. People who never pray but believe that God would somehow work it all out anyway. Who never give, never witness because after all, God will take care of all of that. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple because it was 9 o'clock, the hour of prayer. They had a culture of prayer. In fact, fact, Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 5, Acts 6 all talk about them going to prayer meetings. Acts 4, when they had all prayed where they, were all, where they were assembled, together it was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. That's a culture. That's a culture. Outreach and evangelism is a culture. Taking the gospel outside the four walls, whether that's a Saturday afternoon coming to witness in the market, or door-to-door or wherever, or if that's an event like our basketball or a family fun day, that's a culture. 
that we establish. Sending of workers is a culture. See, this has to be central in a church. And there are people who sometimes fight against the culture. They fight against it. They don't want to be called Christians the way we should be called a Christian. Don't make me have to experience all that commitment stuff or have to recognize that. You know, as an American, you have some responsibilities. As an American, you have responsibilities. Some of that is to obey the laws of the land, to pay your taxes. You have a responsibility. It's a duty. You have a responsibility to vote. They do not make it in our nation compulsory. In some nations it is that you will be fined if you don't go. In Peru, this is true. In Australia, this is true. If you don't go vote, you're actually fined. I think that would work better. They could actually, dead people wouldn't vote then. But then what would Chicago do? They weren't going to be like the religious crowd. They said, we're not, we're, we're not going to be like the old religion. See, either you're promoting or hindering a culture of our fellowship. That's the way it works. You're either promoting or hindering it. That's why there's a culture war, even in cultures itself. Recently, the Republican Party had to deal with this. It was called the Tea Party Movement. It was a conservative group that began to you know, try to make the Republicans be more conservative. It actually cost the Republicans elections. There's actually a movement now that's starting in the Democratic Party because there's many who feel that they're not progressive enough, liberal enough, that want to make and shift the party more left and is probably going to split the party and help the Republicans. See, this is what happened in much of Christianity today is it makes very little difference. Fears of making a stand, preaching on sin, commanding repentance, dealing with people who have an anti-culture of Christianity who try to come to church that we have to deal with from time to time, that are undermining the establishment of the Word of God, His standards, His righteousness. See, are you contributing and reinforcing the culture within? That's what causes us to be called Christians. Or is it a double standard? It's okay for them, but not okay for her. It's okay for me, but it's not okay for him. Is that a double standard? that undermines culture and the support of what God wants to do? I close with this. Children of Israel had lost their culture. They'd gone into captivity into Babylon. They had lost their culture. In that time, there were three young men 
that decided with Daniel that they were not going to defile themselves with a portion of the king's delicacies nor drink wine. But they requested and they had worked with it and they had said, we are going to reestablish our culture in the midst of this wicked culture. You go on, Nebuchadnezzar has his crazy dream, and in that dream he starts wanting to, you know, kill the those people who couldn't tell him what his dream was. Daniel, God visits Daniel, tells him what the dream was. He goes and tells Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was. He stops killing people. And then in that dream, he had had the picture of the gold head with the silver breastplate, the bronze uh, 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 waist, uh, and the iron uh, legs with the clay and iron feet. So many believe he built that image and then played all these instruments and demanded people bow down to it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there. And they played all the instruments and everybody bowed. And I can imagine them standing in the back going, We ain't bowing, King. We ain't bowing. And some of the officers looked up and looked back and saw these men not bow. And they put him, they called him before the king. And he says, Okay, boys, listen, we're going to forget that ever happened. We're going to play the instruments again and you're going to bow. And they said, No, king, we're not bowing. We're not bowing to your culture. We're not bowing to what you're trying to demand. Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, then you're going into the fiery furnace. In fact, we're going to heat it up seven times hotter than it is now. They said, we don't care if it's 12 times hotter. And if our God doesn't rescue us, let it be known to you, we're not bowing. Nebuchadnezzar does this. The men who heated it up died because it was so hot. They take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bound and throw them into the furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar is looking at the fire. How many did we throw in there? Throw in three, sir. How come I count four and the fourth looks like the Son of God? Brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out. Their clothes didn't even smell of smoke. Their eyebrows weren't singed. You ever light your grill and it went poof and your eyebrows are now gone? They didn't even have that. And they said, let it be known to you It was our God who saved us. Nebuchadnezzar then writes a letter. Anyone who speaks against the God of Israel, the God of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, let him be put to death. They said, no, we're not bowing to the culture. We're not going to let that culture determine us. We're going to stay with a biblical culture. My question to you as we close, what culture are you contending for? A biblical culture that you would be called 
a Christian or a culture that looks a lot like the religious or a lot like the world. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. But we want to make an invitation for those who want to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, who have never asked Jesus Christ into their heart. God wants to touch your life and He wants to change you. He died for you so that you don't have to be bound in our crazy culture, but you can be born again. And if that's you this evening, you're not saved or you're back, so maybe you've been a Christian by kind of loose name only and you want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ and know that this is what God has for you. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, would you pray for me? I need to get to my heart right. Anyone at all, very quickly. You're backslidden away from God. You got away from biblical culture. You've now gone to the place where you think you'll go and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And he'll say, I didn't know you. You're working things contrary to my will. God wants to help you. He really wants to help you. That's you. You're backslidden. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. I need to get my heart right with God. Changing the call then to Christians. What culture are you supporting? A biblical culture? A righteous culture? Where you would say, you know what? That's what the Bible says. That's what pleases God. That's what I should be doing or not doing. And putting that out there. Let's all stand. We're going to give some time for people to pray, worship God, sing a song, glorify His name, take me past the outer courts, and give Him praise this evening. Take me And the priests who sing your praise I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness Take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood. Take me in to the To sing your praise 
the outer course to the holy the Lord. Let's give God praise and worship Him. Father, we love You, God. We glorify Your name. Thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah.